Frank Rizzuto will read our scripture this morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, and also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Good morning. It is good to be here. It's good to be here as a family, I believe, as a church family. Uh, it's a blessing to be able to come together over and over again. God has blessed us in that regard, uh, and we are grateful for that experience, for these experiences. If you're visiting with us, hopefully you will feel welcomed. If you haven't already, stick around and you will be made welcome. We're going to be working out of Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 through 22. We're going to be looking at that, th those verses, uh, periodically going back and forth and, and looking at some things about them, so keep your Bibles open there. I don't know about you, but when I hear the door knock at home, I still get tense. I tense up, and I kind of panic inside. And, and it, it stems from that happening as a child. And I don't know why, but growing up, when someone would come and knock on the door, I would head for my room, and I wouldn't come out until I knew a few things about what was going on, until I knew who it was, something about them, and what in the world they were doing there, what, what they wanted. And so I would stay in my room sometimes because I didn't recognize the voice at the door. If it were someone that we were expecting, then I would wait to find out to make sure it was them. For some reason, I still go through that process. Someone knocks on... So you can imagine what Halloween is like for me. I mean, it's great that we have kids that I don't have to be at home, but when we were first married, Amy can tell you, I was a mess. People, strangers coming and knocking at the door. We're working out of Revelation chapter 3. The last three verses of Revelation 3, it's ending at Jesus' address to the churches in Asia, to the angel, John is writing to the angels of the churches. And we see in the last words of Revelation 3, we see words of an invitation. Jesus is knocking at the door and it's up to those that he's addressing to open the door for him. And when we open the door to Jesus, we read in this scripture that we have fellowship with him. If the door is closed, obviously we don't have fellowship. So the door that Jesus is standing at, we can understand that it's not a physical door. Sometimes it's, it's as the song said, that, we just, that we're getting ready to sing for our invitation song. It's the uh, door of our heart or the door of our life. 
And we're going to be singing that song in just a little bit. And I appreciate Roger putting that in, in the lineup as the invitation song. So I want to look at the question in relationship to, to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I want to look at that, that question, who at the door is standing according to the song. We're going to answer that, that question. Who is at the door? And we're going to look at both sides of the door this morning. Who is on one side and who is on the other? So I want to answer the question, first of all, by saying that we can infer and we read that Jesus is on one side. Jesus is standing at the door. So we know who is at the door. But what do we know about him being on that other side of the door? And what do we know about what he wants? Let's talk about that for a few moments. So it is Jesus. He's standing at the door. He stands at the door every day. What is that guy like on the other side of the door? Not, not too long after we moved into the house that we're living in now, there's a new subdivision. All these new houses. And the doors that came with the house are pretty much just solid doors. No windows. But a guy came to the, to, to the door, knocked on the door. I got tense. I didn't know who it was. And I opened the door finally. And it was a man selling peepholes. And I thought, now that, there you go. Now we have windows that I can stand up and see, but, but not everyone can reach that far. So I thought, that's a great thing. We didn't get one because I can see out. But, but I got to thinking about that. These doors don't have peepholes. This guy must be making a killing. Because people want to see what's on the other side of the door when someone's ringing the bell or knocking. And they want to know about what's on the other side of the door uh, when, when someone is ringing the bell or knocking. Well, what is Jesus like? If he's on that side, what is he like? Well, we, we can start and we can list several attributes of Jesus this morning and we're not going to have time to do that. But we'll start with this idea that Jesus is merciful. That Jesus is merciful. And I say that because uh, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Abundant mercy, First Peter uh, 1.3. Jesus is merciful, is full of mercy. What is mercy exactly? That's a, that's a church word. We use it in, in conjunction with grace, grace and mercy. We read that in scriptures all the time, that it is connected grace and mercy, mercy and grace. Well, what is mercy? The definition, according to a dictionary, is mercy is defined as kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. Someone who might deserve to be treated harshly is treated kindly in a loving way. And so we read about God and Jesus being mercy, merciful. We read that he treats us kindly, lovingly, when we don't deserve it. When we could be and should be treated harshly. Mercy triumphs over judgment, James 2.3. Hebrews 4.16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus is on the other side of the door. He's wanting to come in. He's wanting for us to open up the door to, so that he can be kind and forgiving and loving to us who should be, we should be judged harshly and he's on the other side of the door 
Not wanting to judge us harshly, but to treat us nicely. That's Jesus. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is also patient. How do we know? Well, the psalm says, Who at the door is standing patiently drawing near? Well, okay, well, that's the psalm. But Scripture says that He is patient. Now, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. The patience of Christ. He's knocking and waiting. Knocking and waiting. I don't know if everyone knows about this, but, but on the third Tuesday of each month, the elders and the preachers will go visiting people on the third Tuesday of each month. And we don't visit everybody, obviously. That would, that, that would take too long. But we visit people who might be sick, people who haven't been coming for one reason or another, and we visit people who have visited recently. And, and when we go to a door, sometimes we warn them that we're coming and, and maybe they'll have time to get ready. And sometimes we just show up. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. We understand. But sometimes when we go to a door, as we're approaching, we can tell there are no lights on. And there, are no car, there aren't any cars in the driveway. And so we, we knock or ring the doorbell. If we can hear the doorbell, then we ring it uh, and, and don't knock. But if we can't, then we, we'll knock. And if, and if it seems like nobody's home, we don't spend a lot of time waiting. But if we get there and there are cars in the driveway and there are lights on and, and maybe we can hear the TV or maybe we can hear people talking and we, and we knock but they don't hear us, we're going to knock again and knock louder, and we're going to spend more time patiently waiting than if we thought that nobody was home. But Jesus is on the other side of the door knocking, and we read that he's patient, and knocking, and waiting, because he knows where we are, and he knows that there's someone there to receive him. But he's patient. He's patient in that respect. He's also loving. Jesus is loving. We walk in and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. Ephesians 5.2 He is loving. So he's patient. He's loving. He's merciful. That's who is on the other side of the door. We know who it is and we know how he is but what does he want with us? Why is he knocking on the door? Scripture reads in Revelations 3, 20 uh, and, and following, he wants in to fellowship with us. He likes us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to be connected to us. And I notice a few things about him. He, he knocks on the door and he doesn't just barge in. He doesn't just barge in. I don't know if anyone knows about this. Do y'all know what swatting is? Swatting? It's a, it's a prank. You know, it's, no. it's a prank that I've read about uh, over the last several years. 
where if someone doesn't, it's usually teenagers are involved in this prank. It's called swatting. W, I mean, S-W-A-T-T-I-N-G. So someone doesn't like someone and they want to get back at them for some reason and they want to, they want it to, to mess up their lives. And so they will call the police on these people, give them the address and say, people have guns here at this address and, and they're being violent with the guns. And so the police show up with the SWAT team and they will break down the door and arrest the people there. And it's all a prank. It's all a joke. It's called swatting. Don't, don't get any ideas, JJ. He's smiling at me. You don't know my address, I hope, but it's in the... No, just don't do it. So it's called swatting, and people's homes are being barged into. But Jesus isn't like that. He's not going to come. He knows we're there, but he's not going to come and just knock the door down violently, coming in aggressively. He's not. He's patient. He invites us to come to him. Matthew 18, 28, and 30, Come unto me all who are, weak, who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He invites us to come to him. He's patiently waiting for our response. And, and w- when I was growing up, sometimes, and I still don't know why, and maybe I've done the same thing as an adult. I don't know. But growing up, we had we would either open the door or not open the door. We would either open the door for the people and, and either let them in or talk to them at the door. Or sometimes my mom would just let, and I don't know if she's worried about bill collectors or what, but she would just let them knock and we would pretend that we weren't home. We have two choices. When Jesus is knocking, we either open the door for him and enjoy that fellowship or we pretend that we don't hear him, pretend we're not home, and hope that he goes away. I don't know why we would want to do that. If he's kind and compassionate and, and, and patient and merciful and loving and wants to spend time with us, wants to fellowship, I don't know why we would not open the door. But there are times when we don't. And there are times when people don't. For one reason or another, that, those are the choices. He's, he's waiting for our response, and our, and our choices are we open the door or we leave it closed. So that's on one side of the door. That's Jesus on one side of the door. Who's on, the other, who's on that side? Bible answer, vacation Bible school, uh, Jesus. It's Jesus. What about the other side? Who's on the other side? Well, we can say us. We're, we're on the other side, and that's true. And we'll talk about us in just a moment. But we can also say that Jesus is knocking and, and the world is, is on the other side. The world is on the other side. The unsaved world is standing on the other side every day. They just might not know about Jesus wanting into their lives. They're very much in need of salvation. Someone without Christ is lost and they need Christ so badly in their lives to, to, to have their sins forgiven, to get to God, and they are in need of salvation. And that salvation only comes through a loving Father who sent His only Son. That salvation comes through Him. For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved, John 3.17. The world is on the other side. Jesus is knocking. Only Jesus can satisfy their spiritual needs, he says in John 14, 6. I'm the way, 
the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only Jesus can satisfy their needs. For a while in our house, our doorbell was broken. For a while we didn't know it. But then we, we found out because when someone would ring it, it would make a very faint buzzing noise. It wasn't even a buzz. It was just a little a rattle. But we didn't know what it was. When you first hear it, you, you didn't know what it was. But if someone were upstairs, they might be able to hear it because that's where the, the doorbell is. And so if someone were upstairs, they might hear this strange noise and they put it all together and then they'll yell out, someone's at the door. But if you're downstairs, you don't know that someone's at the door if they're only ringing the bell. Until you might see them walking off or driving off, you, d you didn't know. Someone had to tell us if they heard that buzzing, th those of us who were downstairs, someone's at the door. Now, the doorbell's been fixed, and so, so it's hopefully taken care of. But we needed to know that there's someone at the door, and the world needs to know that there's someone at the door. We need to be the people telling them. Jesus uses his people to let people know that Jesus is on the other side of the door. We call it the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded. Jesus is on the other side of the door, but we need to be telling people that he's there. We, as Jesus' people, Christians, we have opportunities to knock on doors on behalf of Jesus to let them know that he wants into their lives. Jesus gives us opportunity. Jesus had John write to the church, to, to the angels of the churches in, in Revelations 2 and 3. And one of the churches that he writes to is a church in Philadelphia. And it was a nice, it was a nice letter to get. Because the church in Philadelphia is, is a church, they're a faithful church. It's a good church. It's not a time to get on to him. But in Revelation 3.8, we read, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Jesus gives opportunity. God gives us opportunities all around us. The world is an opportunity. Everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to let people know that, that Jesus is on the other side of the door knocking, wanting into their lives. And we're expected to respond to those opportunities. Paul asked people to pray that he'd have opportunities to let people know about Christ. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open us a door to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, Colossians 4.3. So are we, are we knocking or are we standing idly by and hoping that someone else will knock? Are we knocking? Are we letting people know that Christ is, is wanting in their lives? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but we, had, we I did several times growing up. We'd be throwing, we'd be playing catch with a ball, and it would get out of hand, and it would go into someone's yard, backyard, 
You ever experienced that? And, and what happens? You've got to get it. You don't want to trespass. Maybe there's a dog back there in the backyard. Maybe the gate's locked or whatever. Someone's got to go to the door. And who is it going to be? Well, it's not going to be me. It's not my ball. It's going to be you because you threw it, but it's not my ball. I didn't throw it. You're the one who touched it last. And then you go through this process of trying to figure out who's going to go knock, and then the first person finally goes and knock, and what's going through our minds? Please don't be home. Please don't be home. Please don't answer the door because I'll have to talk to you. Because it's easier to sneak in and get the ball than it is. But the right thing to do, are we like that? Are we hoping that someone else will knock on our behalf? Well, isn't that why we hire preachers? So that they can knock and go and evangelize? That's what Jesus said. All you preachers go into the world. No. All of us, all of us are to knock. Take those opportunities. People need to know about Christ's desire to save them. They need to know about Christ dying for them. They need to know what they need to do in order to get to heaven. And once they know these things, they will be hearing the knocks of Christ at their door. And it will be up to them to decide whether they're going to open the door or shut or leave it shut. But it's up to us to let them know, to let them be able to hear that sound that you're hearing is Jesus knocking on, on the door of your life. So that's, that's, those are some people who are on the other side of the door. Jesus is on one side, on the other side is the world. What about us? We are on that side. We are on the inside as well. The context of these verses in chapter 3, Laodicea. You can always remember... Laodicea starts with an L, and they are lukewarm. Laodicea is a lukewarm church. They were living in such a way, Jesus writes to them, has John write to him, to, to the angel there. They're living in such a way that they don't seem to think that they need Jesus anymore. They're relying on themselves and they're saying to themselves, didn't we, I mean, look what we've done for ourselves. And Jesus says, no, that's not true. You you need to be buying your gold from me and buying your white linens from me. You need me. Don't forget that. Christ reminds them in verse 18 that they still need him. Individually, Each of us is on the other side of the door. Individually, each of us at different times have separated ourselves from Christ because of sin that we commit. And we read verses like Luke 5.32, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And yes, at one point before we became Christians, we were living in sin and we were covered in sin. When we became a Christian, we had that sin removed. But we read scripture that teaches us that people are going to mess up again and need forgiveness again and need to repent again. And that's what scriptures like that teach us, that God calls us all to repent, to turn away from our sins, to ask for forgiveness. And he's knocking on that door asking, can I have 
fellowship with you again. The sinner, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The unfaithful Christian, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Revelation 3.19 again from Jesus, that, that invitation. I'm talking to people who, are, who call themselves my children. who have separated themselves from sin, and I'm calling them in 3.19 to repent. To repent. To be zealous and repent. When we study God's Word individually, when we, when we pray individually, when we spend time in devotion to God individually, and we're studying, we're hearing the knocks, I believe. Of Jesus saying, I want fellowship with you. I like you. I, I want to show mercy to you. I want to show love to you. I care about you. And I want that fellowship. The word is near you in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Romans 10.8 Sometimes, sometimes as Christians, we sin. And when we sin, we separate ourselves from Christ and God. And we shut ourselves up by ourselves and we separate ourselves from other people and we enclose ourselves in a little sin prison and and we're in there by ourselves pretending that no one else is out there and Jesus the whole time is knocking wanting in and we're pretending that he's not there because we're involved in sin we cut ourselves off from the fellowship that we once had Christ and so we have to ask ourselves how will we respond to the knocks we know where we are. We know the situations we've gotten ourselves into. How are we going to respond to the knocks? Will we open the door and accept Jesus back into our lives as Christians? Ask for forgiveness, repent of those sins, and accept Him back into our lives. Will we leave the door closed? And will we just hope that He goes away? He's not going to go away. He's a patient, patient knocker. So who at the door is standing? Jesus is on one side. The world is on the other side. We're on the other side. And now we know. Now we know what I wanted to know as a child. Who's on the other side? What about them? And what do they want? It's Jesus. He's amazing. And he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to be connected to us. Now it's up to us. Are we going to open up, invite him in, and enjoy sweet fellowship with him? Or are we going to ignore him and hope that he eventually goes away? And if he stops knocking, then it's too late. If it's time for him to come back, it's too late. So what are you going to do while he's knocking? You make that decision. If you are not a Christian... You haven't been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You're separated from God because of your sins. And you understand that. And you're ready to be reconnected, to reconcile to God. You understand that that can only happen through Christ. By repenting of your sins and confessing Him before men and putting Him on in baptism, you understand that and you're ready, then do something about it. Take care of that. If you're a Christian who has separated yourself from Christ, He's knocking. Will you let Him in? Respond during the invitation if you need to 
in any other way that you need to, let us know now as we stand, as we sing.